We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we'll find out how AI is making travel easier. We'll learn how not to get scammed, hear about solar energy across the Commonwealth, and starting us off, St. Patrick's Church in Whitehaven celebrating 150 years as a parish in 2024. Joining me now, Father Mike Clotten and Ed Gower, who, along with his wife Joan, are co-chairs of the events that will mark the milestone, and they're here inviting you to help them celebrate. There is a big celebration coming up in Whitehaven, and it is 150 years I don't know, Father Mike. I think maybe you might make it to 150 years. I don't think I will. Maybe Ed will. He's got those good genes, too. But you're going to tell us where and when and who will be celebrating. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today and doing this interview. Uh, St. Patrick's is proud to announce that on August 18th of 2024, Bishop Bambera will be the main celebrant for our liturgy at 1015 on Sunday morning the 150th anniversary of the parish of St. Patrick's. Now that is a big celebration. And Ed is also here. Ed, you are a co-chair of the event. And I know we're telling people about this early, but there's probably a lot of good reasons that we get the word out rather than waiting until we're right on top of the celebration. Well, Paul, we're really excited to celebrate our first 150 years. What a tribute to the faith of the St. Patrick's Parish community over so many years. We want to build on such a significant celebration by getting people involved as early as possible and make this a truly enjoyable celebration for the entire year. Well, it certainly is a milestone for 150. And Father Mike, when we're talking about such a milestone, especially when it comes to a parish community, a church, we've seen so many things change over the years that something like this should really be celebrated because a lot of them weren't around as long. You're absolutely right about that, Paula. And you put that in conjunction with the number of the churches not only in the Diocese of Scranton, but throughout the United States, who have had to consolidate and close for a Catholic church uh, the size of St. Patrick's, not a large parish, to be able to be around for that many years, to not only survive, but thrive in this area. It's uh, one of the lower ends of the Diocese of Scranton. We border the Allentown Diocese. So for this little parish to celebrate 150 years in this day and age, it truly is more than just a milestone. i I'm going to call it a little bit of a miracle, Paula. I'm in the miracle business, so I think you get that. You're absolutely correct. And when you're talking about miracles and how things are able to stay, and Ed, you've been here, you've been in this parish now for a number of years, and you have a lot of family here. Do you have any kind of a a vague idea of how something like this was able to sustain for 150 years? Well, Paul, I certainly have been part of the parish my entire life, born and raised here, and my parents and grandparents before me, certainly. So seeing the dedication of all the people in these small communities, 
I'm sure is the real key to the existence and continuation of the Church of St. Patrick. In addition to that, there were important things like the school that was here for many, many years. We had a grade school that went from first grade to eighth grade, and the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary taught at that school and, and took care of everyone and set the example for us. I was in the sixth grade when the school finally closed down. But to that point, there were always 10 to 15 students in each class. There were only three classrooms in the building. We would have an assignment while they taught a different class. People figured out a way to make things work. And that's the dedication of the people in the community that's kept this going to this point. Let's hear more about the history. 150 years, there's a lot of history. So between the two of you, can you take us back to when it all started and maybe kind of give us a little bit of a progression as to where we are with everything today? Well, let's go back 150 years, Paula. 150 years ago, this area was all part of uh, the Philadelphia Archdiocese in the uh, 1800s later, uh, the um, Diocese of Scranton was formed. And then shortly after that, the Diocese of Allentown was formed. So we have one geographical area that at one point belonged all to the Philadelphia Diocese. And uh, then the diocese themselves split off into Allentown and Scranton. So the cornerstone, and it has information about that, was laid at a particular time. But it was established, first of all, as a mission church to uh, reach out to the Catholics here. The idea of a mission church is that there's nobody necessarily here at all times, but clergy would travel from sometimes as far as Philadelphia and Scranton to come here just to celebrate Mass for the people. I think it's fascinating that this was part of the Philadelphia Diocese, because when you think back 150 years ago, there weren't buses, there weren't cars in order for people to get there. So Mm -hmm. it must have been a major undertaking to have a priest come here to say Mass. And especially here we are in a day and age where we just have to think, well, we can now do it online. That must have been a daunting task. Well, in the church that was built, originally survived things like a pretty significant fire and was rebuilt. The meetings and all the religious education, things that happened in addition to the masses, took place in the basement of the church. And boy, it was a cramped situation. Probably maybe met the safety codes in the time, but it was uh, really a difficult situation for the the parish. So hence, uh, the new church had been built. And then back in about 2005, we built uh, this wonderful parish center. That's such a vibrant part of the community right now. The community that built the, the parish center looked at it and said, this would be something that would be very useful and beneficial uh, ecumenically within the community. So we wanted it to truly be a community center where both St. Patrick's parishioners and everyone in town and the local community could uh, celebrate. We have things here like the Marine Corps breakfast, the Lions Club dinners, uh, funerals, weddings, baby showers. You name it. The example that was set for us in the early days of St. Patrick's continues to grow and to expand even. And I think that's something for us to be extremely proud of. Can't forget about bingo, Ed. Can't forget about bingo. (laughs) The key here is that the seed of faith was planted in this town 150 years ago. And the church in itself involved not only because of the clergy, but because of the people here. Since there was not a resident clergy in town, people had to take responsibility of the parish to do things that needed to be done for the parish. The education of children, getting together to raise money to do things. That seed of faith that was planted in St. Patrick's in Whitehaven uh, continues to grow today. And in some respects, we've kind of come a little full circle here. Uh, There is not a resident pastor in the parish today. And here we are 150 years later. Not only is the church, uh, again, I'll use that terminology, not only surviving, but thriving. Um, we are lucky enough to have what we call a sacramental priest who comes in from uh, Freeland five days a week to take care of the sacraments of the church. When you think of it, here we are 150 years later, and we have come full circle. 
When we're talking about the people who are making up the parish today, Ed, you can probably speak to this because I think many of them, like you, have been here and their families have been here for many years. Well, St. Patrick's truly is a parish of a long-time parishioners as, as well as new families that move into the area. And that's what helps sustain the growth, certainly. As, as our area grows with people moving out of the city and into areas where there may be a little bit of different quality of life, like Whitehaven and St. Patrick's, that helps us to sustain the growth and to uh, take advantage of uh, the opportunities that the new folks provide. Well, now with all of this background, as I said in the very beginning, you had to start early getting the word out because there's so much to celebrate and there are so many things that are happening. So how is all this going to come together? And I know, Father Mike, you mentioned in the very beginning that there's going to be a mass with Bishop Bambera and that's going to be a big culmination. But between now and then, what are we looking forward to? Let's back up just a little bit. Actually, last summer, the Pastoral Council, we discovered, really, that we're going to be 150 years old. Immediately, we began talking about what are we going to do. And the first step was to find uh, two chairpersons. And Ed and Joan Gower, with their provenance in town, uh, they were the perfect couple. The two of them said, absolutely, Father, we'll chair this. And every month since then, we've been having meetings planning things, you know, getting people involved in it, contacting uh, previous pastors. Uh, Sister Jane, who was an integral part of this parish for over 20 years, uh, she'll be part of the celebration that day. And then, you know, just getting the word out to the community. It's not about necessarily come to our dinner or come to the Mass itself. Is It's letting the people in this whole area, not just Whitehaven, the Diocese of Scranton, this 150th is a pretty darn good celebration and a pretty big celebration. So lots of little things planned. Uh, for instance, one of the things we're doing, we have photographs of the church uh, that will be on our banner. Uh, Ed will tell you about our theme for the year. Uh, we're even taking the photographs of the churches. We're making them into puzzles that people can buy. So they can put them together, laminate them, and hang them in their homes and stuff like that. Did you want to comment on the theme of our 150th? Well, we've come up with a theme, Paula, for the entire anniversary. And that theme, you've heard it here first, is celebrating our past, welcoming our future. We expect that we will have a special anniversary booklet involved uh, that everyone can share and save. Uh, it will include not only the written history that we've uh, talked a little bit about, but it will include pictures of family units and maybe family remembrances as well as sponsor ads. We have, in fact, a replica model of the old church. It was built by Charlie Jevgeniak, and it'll be loaned to us for our celebration during the year by his wife, Audrey. We're very grateful for that. People will be amazed by the intricate detail that Charlie put into this model. It has pews and a choir loft, and, and it's amazing. It's something that's seemingly beyond uh, present-day capabilities almost. Be excited to see that model of the old church. Now, it could be that people are hearing this. And of course, as I said, from 150 years ago to here we are today, and they could be hearing you in any corner of the world. So if there are people out there who had been at St. Patrick's in Whitehaven, maybe they grew up here, maybe they just visited the area. If they have things that they might like to share with you. Is there a way that they can get in touch with you? Certainly, that would be an awesome idea if this word gets out. If you're listening to this podcast and you've got something, of a piece of history from St. Patrick's, contact us here in the office, leave your phone and number. Somebody from the committee will be glad to get back to you. Uh, one of the things we do plan on doing for the Mass itself, it will be available on YouTube so people can watch it live as it's going on. I think that's important for people to know in this day and age, you know, from a little church that didn't have a priest at it, uh, except for once a week or maybe once every other week, to having a 150th anniversary 
going live on YouTube. So anywhere in the world, people can watch what's going on in the little town of Whitehaven. Now, before I have to let you go, is there anything that we have missed? So is there anything that you just want to make sure that we know right now? We just want everyone to know again that we're extremely excited about celebrating the anniversary of our first 150 years. We're looking forward to the next 150 years. You uh, alluded to earlier, none of us will be here for that. But uh, we've we've followed the generations before us, and we're planting the seed, as Father said, for the generations after us to continue forward. Father Mike, do you want to have the last word? Well, first of all, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to put together this podcast for us. Getting the word out is just so important. Again, it's not about showing up here. It's about celebrating with us on this particular day. Um, You might want to check our website, uh, St. Patrick's website, and we'll have more information about it. We'll try and put blurbs in on on a weekly basis. This is happening. That's happening. Who's coming? You know, maybe you remember a priest from the past who will be here and you'd like to come and say hello to him. Information and getting it out is so important. You're part of the process, Paula. We really thank you for taking the opportunity to do that. And we look forward to everyone thinking about us, praying about us on August 18th when Bishop uh, Bombero will be here celebrating this Mass for the grandest celebration that we can have. I also will throw in two cents. The town of Whitehaven this year is celebrating their 200th anniversary. So we're kind of in conjunction with them. We'd be sure that our celebration and their celebration complement one another. So the little town of Whitehaven, 200 years old, and the parish of St. Patrick's, 150 years old. We'll be hearing more about the 150th year celebration of St. Patrick's Church in Whitehaven. Thanks to Father Mike Clotten and Ed Gower for giving us just some of the details. Next on Special Edition, we're talking solar energy and tis the season, but don't get scammed. Now, two national spokespersons, one with local ties to Scranton, the other to Wilkes-Barre, joining me on Special Edition. We're starting off with Abigail Ross Hopper. She is with Solar Energy Industries Association. She's the president and CEO. She has what you need to know if you're considering going solar. Abigail, a pleasure to have you here. And we are going to be talking about something that so many people are talking about, and that is energy and in particular, solar energy. So here we are in Pennsylvania. What can you tell us about solar energy growth right here in the Commonwealth? Oh, my goodness. Well, Paula, the Commonwealth uh, has so much potential in the uh, solar space. We just did a ranking of all of the states, and the Commonwealth is right on the bubble. So you're number 26 out of 50. Um, you So there's lots of opportunity to hop over into the top half. Um, but already you have the equivalent of 160,000 homes in your state that are powered by solar, and over 4,300 of your neighbors are working in the solar industry. So Abigail... I guess a lot of people are getting on board, but there are still a lot of people who are very leery about the idea of solar energy. So if you had the op, which you do right now, have the opportunity (laughs) to tell people, don't be so concerned about that part because there's more good than all of a sudden saying, wait a minute, I don't have any energy in my house. So what can you say to that? Sure. Well, what I would say to um, customers that are thinking about solar, maybe a little hesitant about it, is they should know two things. One is they should know that for almost every person who chooses to go solar, they do that because it saves them money. And um, prices have fallen precipitously in the last five or six years. And so I would encourage those homeowners to contact a couple of companies have companies come out and give them a quote. It's like you would have for any other home project. Um, And look at how much money you can save, right? We all want to save a few dollars, especially at this time of year when we're buying so many gifts. Um, And the second thing is that with some recent federal clean energy legislation, more and more of the products, like the solar panels and the electrical equipment, are being manufactured here in the United States. And, um, you know, we all care so deeply about manufacturing here in the United States and being able to have the equipment built here and obviously the energy produced here 
is a really important way to support the domestic energy agenda. Well, let's talk a little bit about those solar panels, because again, Mm -hmm. people are concerned. They're seeing them on roofs. And we've always been told, don't do anything to your roof because that could cause a major problem. So how does the industry explain that to new customers? Yeah. So um, the first thing that uh, um, a solar company will do is really inspect the integrity of your roof, right? Make sure that it is able to sustain a solar project. There are lots of standards that have already been put in place. So, you know, we know how much solar panels weigh. We know what wind speeds are like. We know what, uh, you know, what that snowfall is and sort of all of the different things that you would be worried about. And then we, you know, we have years, decades really of experience fastening those solar panels to your roof. And so, you know, it's not like we just take a hammer and uh, a nail and make a big old hole in your roof. It's um, a very sophisticated, well-engineered system that will protect the integrity of your roof. And so, again, um, I would encourage people to sort of do a little investigation. I think they'll be surprised at how um, thoughtful and how much attention the industry has paid to ensure that the integrity of the roof um, uh, remains. All right. Well, we say solar. Solar means sun. Here in Northeast (laughs) Pennsylvania, sometimes we don't have so much sunshine like other places do. So people might say, Abigail, what happens if the sun doesn't shine for a couple of days? Again, solar. Ah, help. Right. Right. Well, um, so my family is from Scranton. I grew up going there every Thanksgiving and every summer. So I know I know those skies that you're talking about. Um, and so most families that choose to go solar continue to be connected to the grid. And so when the sun is shining, the solar energy is fueling their homes and bringing their electricity costs down. And at night or when it's too dark, um, you still are pulling energy from the grid. And so it's a, it's a mutually beneficial system. Um, so you don't have to worry that, you know, all of a sudden if the sun goes down, you're not going to have any power. And we've been doing this across this country for decades now, and, and the utility companies know how this works. But the other thing that a lot of customers are choosing to do is to invest in storage as well as solar. So it's a battery, basically, at your home, and you charge it during the day with the sun, and then in the evenings or on days when the solar isn't producing, uh, you use that use that battery. You discharge that battery into your home. That's great on a regular, what day is it, Thursday? Um, but it's even better on days when there's a snowstorm and the power lines go down or there's strong winds or there's some other extreme weather and, you know, your power, your power lines are, are down. Uh, if you have a family member that needs, a refrigerator to keep their diabetes medicine cold or an oxygen machine to keep, you know, someone healthy. Then if you have a solar and storage system, you'll keep, uh, you'll keep your electricity on even during those extreme weather conditions. You snuck that one in there. I didn't realize there was a local tie here, Abigail. Congratulations and welcome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thank you. So as we're talking about all this, then how do people know that they're going to a reputable company? Because I'm sure, just like with everything else, there are a lot out there who are saying things, but maybe they're not doing what your industry is hoping that they do. Right. So that's a really important question, Paula. We wanted to make sure that consumers have a very positive experience, that their rights are protected. I would suggest a couple of things. One is to comparison shop, right? Call two or three different solar companies, get quotes, have them come out and look at your house, look at your roof, um, and evaluate it that way. Secondly, on our website, seia.org, we have some uh, model contracts, some ways um, that uh, companies who are our members, who abide by our code of standards and ethics, and who uh, these um, are blessed by the Better Business Bureau, there are ways to explain um, sort of what the costs are and what a contract should look like. And then also on that website, we have some information about the federal tax credits and what homeowners are entitled to. And importantly, what they're not, right? So, uh, you know, if, if someone is over-promising, 
uh, you should go on those websites and look at this independent information and, and just make sure that you are um, protecting yourself. But we have lots of great companies out there, and I would encourage folks to just, uh, like with any other home product, um, be aware, but also um, there's lots of resources to help you. And once again, your website is what? So that everybody can get the latest and the most accurate information. Yes, it is very simple. S-E-I-A dot org. So Solar Energy Industries Association. S-E-I-A dot org. And see, I'd love to have the opportunity to find out how Abigail went from Scranton and ties here all the way to the president CEO of SEIA. But we'll save that for another time. How's that sound? I look, I look forward to it, Paula. Thanks to Abigail Ross Hopper, president and CEO of Solar Energy Industries Association. Now we meet John Miller Steiger. He's the director of the East Central Region of the Federal Trade Commission. His dad grew up in Wilkesbury, and he's now here with great tips on what to watch out for so you don't get scammed. All right, John, people are getting scammed left and right, and it doesn't just happen around the holiday season. You, the director of the East Central Region of the Federal Trade Commission, have things to talk about when it comes to that. So where do we start to not get scammed? Well, the first piece of advice that we give to consumers is to take your time. And what we found is that this is going to work against almost every single scam that you're going to face out there. Um, if the scammers, they know psychology, they could have PhDs in psychology. They're so good at this. And they know that if they can rush people that we're just not going to make as good decisions if we feel rushed or scared. And so they do everything they can to make us feel a little bit off balance. So the best defense is to just take your time and say, okay, let me look into that and hang up the phone or stop the email conversation and look into it. And uh, 99 out of 100 times, you're going to find out whether or not it's a scam. Wow. Well, it sure does sound like you would be able to do that. But there are, you're, you're right, they're getting so crafty and there are so many different ways. And you mentioned email. So let's talk a little bit about that. How would someone know that an email could be a potential scam target? Well, yeah, email and text messages, they are all potential scammers reaching out to you. So the first thing is if you're contacted out of the blue, unexpectedly, even if it seems like it's a legitimate company or a legitimate person, you're, you should be on guard because these scammers, they know how to make their emails look like your bank's email or a text message, make it seem like it's from Amazon that maybe you made a purchase from. And so if you're Getting that email or that text out of the blue, you should be on guard because what they want to do is one of two things. They, first of all, want to get your information, like your bank account information or a credit card number so that they can just rob you. Or they want to get some of your personal information. And one of the ways they can do that is by having you click on something. So if you get that email or you get that text, and there's an attachment or there's a link, don't click on it. Don't click on it because what that can do is take you to somewhere where they're going to uh, get more information from you or it can actually put software on your phone or on your computer that's going to hide in the background and take all the things that you type into your computer or onto your phone and they're going to collect them. So you want to make sure that you don't click on an attachment. You don't uh, click on a link in a text or an email. If there's something about that text or email that does have you, you know, thinking maybe this is real, what you do is you find the company, you find a contact uh, number or email for the company on your own, and you reach out to them separately. Wow. Well, again, sometimes, and I know I've done it completely by accident, I've gone to swipe in order to get rid of it. And all of a sudden I see that I've opened something. So is there like yeah. the five second rule when you drop something on the floor, it's okay? <laughs> or, or is there no turning back? Well, um, I would say a little bit of both. Uh, you know, you really do want to be careful. The best protection you can give yourself is to 
take a time, take a second before you click on anything. Um, but if you do accidentally click on something, there are things that you can do and it, it'll depend on exactly what you've clicked on. Um, but if you have, uh, if you've, you know, accidentally given some information, some uh, account information, like your credit card number, then you're going to want to reach out to your credit card company, again, using a phone number that you know is right, and uh, and cancel that credit card before the bad guys have a chance to use it. If it's um, something that's your bank, you're going to want to reach out to your bank and put a, you know, alert them that, um, that you might be a victim. If it's just clicking on something, you're going to want to go to a computer store that you trust to make sure that they can remove any bad software that might have been put on your phone or on your computer. And you're going to want to take those steps as, as quickly as you can. Well, that's very good advice. And when we're talking about very good advice, one of the things that so many people do, and it's not only, again, certain times of the year, there's always gift cards that are going to and from mm-hmm. and all, and there are so many scams. Yeah, this is this is one of the red flags for a scam. Um, if you're using a gift card to pay for anything other than a gift, it's a scam. Right there, right then, you know, as soon as they ask you to pay for uh, something using a gift card, meaning you go out and buy the gift card and they have you read the numbers over the phone or email it to them or text it to them. If it's not actually being used as a gift, that's a scam because the scammers know that it's hard to stop that money. It's hard to trace that money. And so that's why they use it. I've actually heard that when you go into a store to buy a gift card, that you should consider going to the back of the pile on the rack because they can even manipulate sometimes the ones out in front and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. If you are um, actually getting a gift card to give to someone as a gift, uh, it is better to, you know, to go a couple in and, I don't know about you, but I do this with my groceries too. <laughs> I don't necessarily take the first uh, piece of, you know, uh, package of food that's out there on the in the grocery aisle. Um, but yeah, go in, go in a couple, and that way you'll make sure that there isn't someone who has put uh, in some way a, um, a card that's already been compromised. And I also hate to say it, but even getting away from the idea of giving gifts or different things, there are so many things out there that are, and maybe it goes back to email, job scams, that can really ruin a person. Yeah, yeah. And, and it really um, it really can hit any of us because if we're looking for a job, you know, obviously that's something that's very important. We want to be able to get it. We know that uh, you need to jump on jobs when they're available and the scammers know this too. And so again, they are going to try and give you the sense of urgency that means you have to act now. And that, you know, might, uh, you know, might rock us back on our heels and we wouldn't make the same decision. There was someone in my home community, a 28 year old who lost $9,000 uh, to a job scam thinking that she was dealing with a legitimate company. She had found them on a legitimate job hunting website. The scammers post there too. And, you know, they got her excited about the possibility of the job and they told her that she was going to get it. But what she needed to do was to give them some money for uh, some equipment that she would need. Well, that's right there. Any legitimate job is not going to require you to pay for things before you're actually signed up for the job. Um, you know, the promise you've gotten the job, that's not enough. You want to make sure that you're actually on the payroll before you pay any money. So it started off with saying she needed to pay for equipment and she needed to pay for certain processing fees. And they kept going back to her and stringing her along. And we think, oh, you know, I would recognize that. But when you're in the situation and again, you're looking for that job that you really need, uh, and they told you that you got it and you're so excited, but you need to act quickly. You know, it really can happen to any of us. And that's why I go back to the best advice 
is if you're in that situation, take even a half an hour and check in with someone that you trust. Hey, does this sound right that they're asking me to pay for this money, you know, pay for this equipment before I've even uh, gotten the job? And, uh, and that person's going to help. Well, John, I could keep you here all day because there are unfortunately not, and I, I would be love to keep you here all day, but there are so many, <laughs> there are so many things there that are. are going on and so many, is there, are there places, I'm sure the FTC must have some places where our listeners could go and say, ah, red flag, he's absolutely right. That's what just happened to me. Yes, yes. We, we really rely on people coming to us with the scams that they're seeing in the world. And I'll give you a website that people can go to. And it's reportfraud.ftc, or Federal Trade Commission, .gov. So reportfraud.ftc.gov. And, and this is really important for a couple of reasons. One, it lets us know what scams are out there and how they're operating so that we can do things like come on your great show and warn people about what to be looking out for. But also, this whatever information people give us gets put into a database that we look at that the FBI looks at, that local state law enforcement and other federal law enforcement look at, and this is how we choose our cases. So the more complaints we have about a particular company, the more likely that someone's going to look into that company and, and possibly bring action against them. And, and I would encourage your listeners to reach out to reportfraud.ftc.gov, even if they haven't lost money. If there's something that seems suspicious, let us know because maybe you have one piece of information that will allow us to connect the dots and find the bad guys. John, thank you. Wow. Talk about eye-opening and you always have to be careful even in your own home, on your own phone, or in your own computer. Absolutely. And, and thank you for helping to spread the word. The more people know and we can share with our friends and family, the more people can be protected. Helping you stay ahead of the scammers, John Miller Steiger, Director of the East Central Region of the Federal Trade Commission. Now don't go away. Coming up next, we're going to find out how AI is making travel easier on Special Edition. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Special Edition. Earlier this year, I spoke with Ross Borden. He's the CEO and founder of Matador Network. He launched Guide Geek and gave us a preview. Well, it's been up and running, and now Ross is back and here to tell us how AI is making your travel easier. Ross is back with me. We talked earlier this year, and the whole idea of AI is coming out more and more. But first, let's talk about GuideGeek, because that's how all this got started, right? Yeah, it actually got started. Uh, I started a travel company about 15 years ago, and we were a leader in travel and adventure. We're a publisher. So we publish city guides, videos. We've got 16 million followers. 
on social. <clears throat> so that's called Matador Network. And then this year we started a new product called Guide Geek, which is basically a specialized AI for travel. So if you've ever heard of or played with ChatGPT, it's like that, but it's specifically for travel. We've plugged in, you know, real-time information for flights, hotels, vacation rentals, weather, currency conversions. And we've really specialized the AI to really be like a travel agent in your pocket. So how is that different from something, say, Google, where people can also go on and look for all those kind of different things? Yeah, it, it's a couple differences. One is that we've unleashed this travel AI on the biggest messaging platforms in the world. So we started with WhatsApp. So you're, it's like you're texting a friend on WhatsApp, but that friend is an expert at the entire world. Um, and we actually also launched on Instagram. So we have a, an Instagram account called guidegeek.ai. And if you just text the DMs, like uh, send a direct message to that account, you're chatting with the AI inside of Instagram. We're launching Facebook Messenger in next week. So instead of doing an app, like we're not in the app store and, you know, it's not like a big web page that you go to, you got to go to a browser and then chat with the AI. It's already inside these big messaging platforms, which has allowed us to get hundreds of thousands of active users very quickly. Um, but the biggest difference is just time, right? Like if you start, if you decide you want to go to Tulum or you want to do a road trip from Pennsylvania for the holidays with your family, um, you start, you know, doing Google searches and then it's just a slog of, you know, doing more searches, going through more websites. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Um, Guide Geek is just a much faster shortcut. So you tell it exactly what you're looking for and even what you're not looking for. And you tell it about yourself and it will make instant recommendations based on you as a person, you as a traveler. That could be timing, budget, different activities, um, or even like... You know, if you have a disability or maybe you are a vegan, it's only going to rest, uh, recommend restaurants with vegan options on the menu. It'll really get to know you um, and just help you cut through the noise and get right to the thing that is most appealing for your trip. Ross, many people are hearing about AI in so many different ways and talking about it. So it might be a little bit daunting for people who say, well, I got this part down, but now you've got this AI and how do I know, number one, it's safe, if I'm going to be making reservations over it, um, how do I know it's not going to take me someplace I don't want to go? So can you kind right. of explain that part to our audience and to me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think some skepticism or caution around AI on a macro level is very healthy. I, I have it myself. I've been working with this technology for almost a year, like every day. And it's a little scary how powerful it is and how fast it's moving forward and improving. And I think there are macro concerns about where things are headed and just how fast things are going with AI. And um, But I think travel... I consider as a pretty harmless enclave of the AI world. Um, Guide Geek is not going to take your credit card number. It's um, we are adding dinner reservations soon, but um, it's not going to take any personal information that is going to you know uh, be transactional or you know take money out of your bank account or something like that. Um, but I think it's it's a if even if you're like you know AI, I've heard about it, not for me. Guide Geek would be a good way of, you know, experimenting with AI and just saying like, hey, what can you do? You know, how can you help make my life easier? And Guide Geek will explain itself. It'll, it's very simple to use. Um, as I said, you, you don't even need to register. You don't need to give any personal information if you don't want. Um, you don't need to download an app. You just start chatting with it and basically say hi. And we found that if someone says hi... Guy Geek will say, hey, you know, how can I help with your travel plans today? And then people just naturally and organically start chatting with it and usually find a ton of value in the service. And it's free. So we're not like, you know, it's free for all users. We want to just be generally helpful. Um, I think with, with personal information and data, I think really, you know, years of us hearing that Meadow was repackaging our data and targeting us in other places, it is kind of creepy. Um, we've said in our privacy policy for Guide Geek, we'll never 
sell or repackage your data in any way. We just don't want you to have to go re-explain yourself that you're a family traveler, your kids are, you know, 10 and 15, you love Mexican beach vacations and you're big skiers. Like it should already know that the next time you go chat with it. So, um, you know, our, our outlook on data is mega privacy, but also just being generally helpful so that pretty soon I can stand in my kitchen with my wife and say, Hey, where should we take the kids for Christmas? And it will, you know, have, um, a bunch of ideas that are not applied to any family traveler, but specifically applied to us, given what it knows about us. So I think it's a good, a good thing for people to play around with, even if they're skeptical of AI. So then how does it work that let's say you are standing in the kitchen and you're chatting about going on a trip here, there, and you decide you really like this idea and you want to seal the deal. Do you do that through? Yeah. So what, what it will do since, again, we don't want to take anyone's credit card info or make a booking for them, uh, but we'll send it links. So say I'm looking for flight deals. I'm based in Philly. I'm trying to go to Florence, Italy. Um, it says, you know, Hey guy geek, what are the best, you know, cheapest flights, uh, for, for people to go from Philly to, uh, to Milan or, or to, um, Florence, Italy, it will then just go out and search the entire web. We'll search all of booking, all of Expedia, all of the airlines directly. And it will send links to, we, we deliver them as best, cheapest and fastest. There's three options, three links. If you're like, okay, this one's actually a great deal. It's only $300 per person. I click on that link and I will go to our partner Skyscanner. And at that point, the the power's in the user's hands. They can decide if they're ready to book and they want to put down a credit card number with Skyscanner. uh, Or if they were like, okay, I'm not quite ready, but it's great to know that that itinerary exists. Same with hotels, same with Airbnbs or vacation rentals. So you know, I think we're, we're probably going to get maybe I would say like in a year or two where we have a native app, it's, you know, bank level security and those who want to can have it, have the, the AI agents basically doing these bookings. I can say, yeah, book the place in Mexico. We're ready to go. But I think for the time being, we are presenting links, but again, what you're, what you're skipping over is like checking 10 different sites for the best flight deal. We just go out and find that right off the bat and it's delivered in three seconds. So it's really more than anything, a convenience uh, and, and a time saver in terms of like, I, I consider myself really good at planning travel. I've run a travel company for um, 15 years, but I, even me, like I still run out of time where I know what we want to do, but I'm looking for the right place to stay. And I want to make sure that if I'm taking my family on vacation, we're, we're in the right neighborhood. We're eating at the right restaurants. And I just sort of run out of time because I'm a busy person. And so we are like, ah, oh, forget it. You know, we're just going to stay home or we're going to do some trip closer to home. So we think that Guide Geek will help people just do more travel because it's just easier. All right. So let's take it one step further then, Ross. People are already on vacation and they're there having a great time. But especially here in Northeast Pennsylvania, weather can play a factor. And now all of a sudden, whether you're traveling there on plane or whether you're driving in a vehicle, that might be a, well, it might be a hit or miss all of a sudden. So where does it come in in that kind of a situation? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, first we, we added weather. So you could say like, you know, what's, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow in Philly? It's going to have real time weather. Um, you could also say what's the weather in Madrid next Monday? Um, it'll have, you know, instant, uh, and live data for weather, but that's a great question because we noticed that over 20% of our users, and we have hundreds of thousands of active users now, are using GuideGeek uh, to plan trips when they're actually on the trip itself. So they're already in the destination. And even if they're not, you know, we, we see a lot of requests like, hey, I'm in Auckland and it's raining. What's a good itinerary for today with my family for a rainy day in Auckland? So it will just know. It's read every review. It's watched every video. It knows every city guide. So it's going to have really great recommendations regardless of the weather. And also, given that it's on these big platforms that everyone already spends so much time on, WhatsApp, Instagram, again, we're launching on Facebook in about a week, um, people are just texting it kind of when they're, when they're on the go. They don't want to stop and get a Google search or take out their laptop and find a Wi-Fi connection. 
So they're just getting like really quick information. Like, Hey, I'm in this neighborhood of Barcelona. My kids are starving. What are the best family friendly dining options near me? Bam, three seconds. Here are your options. Um, so it's actually faster than opening Yelp or going to the browser and trying to figure something out. If you want really quick answers while you're on the go, uh, again, 20% of people are, are using it for that. Well, I'll tell you, that certainly sounds like it's going to be a major advantage for travelers, whether you're going across town or whether you're going across the globe. So where do we find out more about this, Ross? Yeah, guidegeek.com. So again, it's not an app. It's not going to be in the app store. It's just a simple website and you can scan the QR code with your phone. Again, it's free for everyone and you don't even need to register for an account. You just scan the QR code and it opens either on WhatsApp or Instagram or soon Facebook uh, Messenger. So guidegeek.com and that's it. Thanks once again to CEO and founder of Matador Network, Ross Borden, bringing us up to date with GuideGeek. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.